0: I like big stories which are shocking. Money does indeed make the world go round, you need to be paid. Hi, I'm Amber Ainsley-Pritchard, editor of Reward Strategy, and you're listening to The Payroll Podcast.
1: Welcome to The Payroll Podcast with your host, Nick Day of JGA Recruitment, specialist payroll recruiters.
2: Hello and welcome to the payroll podcast. Today I am joined by Amber Ainsley Pritchard, editor of reward strategy magazine. If you're not familiar with Amber, then it delights me to be able to introduce you to her because she is a dedicated, intuitive and persistent journalist with a nose for payroll news and a reputation for impeccable ethics. Amber has specialized in finance reporting for many years before she was appointed as editor for reward strategy in August 2018. Now, for those that may not be aware of the magazine, it is a magazine I know very well myself. It was born out of Payroll World magazine, which is a publication that over a decade ago I had some involvement with. I was part of the editorial board when I worked for a previous recruiter. It was rebranded to Reward Strategy in 2017 and has since become one of the UK's leading media brands for professionals and influencers within payroll, reward, pensions, benefits and human resources. So without further ado, welcome Amber to the Payroll Podcast on this windy Friday afternoon. How are you feeling?
0: <laughs> I'm good, thanks, Nick. How are you?
2: I'm very good indeed, thank you. Very good. I'm glad it's Friday, but I'm keen to to crack on with some of these questions. I think we've got lots to get through and I think it's going to be a really, <laughs> yeah. a really fun podcast.
1: Five quick questions.
2: Let's just kick us off. Tell us a little bit... If you can, Amber, about your journey into the world of payroll, because you started yeah. the financial reporting, um, and how of you course. found it since you joined Reward Strategy.
0: So, as most things happen by chance, I sort of fell into financial journalism. After university, I wanted to work in New York, so found my way freelance at a hedge fund magazine in Manhattan. And there I met a good friend who used to work in London and said his old job was looking for someone to come and fill a position. So I came into London and it was Shard Financial Media, which owns two brands, Credit Strategy and Reward Strategy. Um, I first yeah. started working on Credit Strategy. And then about two years in, Jerome, who was the current editor of Reward, wanted to go back to freelance, have a bit more freedom. So they said, you know, we need someone to do it. Were they going to look for someone else? And I sort of eagerly raised my hand and said, yeah, I can take it on. I like a new challenge. Um, So I've really enjoyed working on rewards so far. I'm about a year in and it's such a different sort of audience, like everyone in the payroll, HR, reward side of things is a lot more open to speaking to you about the work they do um, than those in credit and financial services. So I've really enjoyed getting to know the different professions so far. And I feel like there's so much more that we can do with the magazine. So I'm really enjoying it. Excellent,
2: Fab. But it must have been quite a transition coming from uh, from New York to London. But what is it you like most then about the payroll and reward industries? they're quite niche. So, uh, and obviously, coming from hedge fund management, must have been a bit of a culture shock. Yeah, moving not just from a just from New York to London, but also <laughs> a, a huge change in industries. What is it you like most about the payroll and reward industry?
0: Um, it's the people more than anything, and I mean that's the most important factor, especially in their jobs they're doing. They're so humble, and they don't really shout out about the work they do. They just get on with it, get it done. But it's so important because it's money, you know. What it, well, it may sound pessimistic, but it's important. It keeps the world spinning. Everyone wants to get paid. I mean, everyone. If the, if you don't get paid, you go to the payroll manager. You're like, "Where's my money?" Like getting annoyed. Payroll managers. Sure. No one ever goes to them and is like, "Thanks for paying me." So I think they're very humble, and it's a very very important thing and we need it and they're just great people
2: great and I guess it gives you a great platform to be able to uh, shout you know shout from the rooftops about the great work that they're yeah, doing yeah so definitely you know, not that vocal yeah. themselves and they are often dealing with complaints it's um you know what better platform than water strategy to really celebrate the work that they're doing which is fantastic Something mm-hmm. I'm really interested in, and this is quite personal for me because obviously I, I know <coughs> Power World magazine very well from my background, but I mentioned in the introduction that the business made the decision to change the title of the publication from Power World to Award Strategy. So I was quite keen to know what the reasoning was behind that decision
0: hmm So payroll world had been around by that point for about 16, 17 years, and the content over the years had really formed to not only focus on payroll, but much broader with the HR, the employment law, employee benefits, and what is now the reward element. So it came to a time where we were noticing that there are more reward roles across the sector. So people are coming from yeah. the payroll and HR backgrounds and progressing into this role, which is more strategic. So, we wanted to reflect that in the magazine more than anything. Were there
2: other sort of titles that you considered? Did you consider having it as payroll and reward strategy, or did you consider some other hybrid they titles? What did... is it? That...
0: Yeah. So, the rebrand actually took place just as I was coming on board to the brand. So, there were the names decided when I'd come on, but there were quite a few different ones like payroll and reward. But we wanted to keep strategy in there across the brand. Sure. So, we sort of worked with that. But I think most importantly, we were trying to be as future focused as we wanted, as the market was looking to be, because you don't want to change a brand name all of the time. So when we first changed the reward strategy, I think people were a bit confused, maybe thought we weren't going to be focusing on as much payroll content. But now I think everyone realizes that, well, the way it's going and there are more reward roles and you can be a payroll manager within reward, it's reflecting and it's a lot more clear now.
2: Yeah. Right. I think strategy is key as well. I think, you know, I've done a lot of podcasts and articles about things like robotic process automation, which is making payroll positions more strategically focused anyway. So I think it's a, it's a really, mm-hmm. you've kind of spotted that trend early, if you like, by getting in there early, which is fantastic. But uh, it's mm-hmm. a magazine that I know well, it's something we recommend to candidates that we, um we help in terms of interview preparation for recruitment purposes. And we give them the link so they can go and read up on the latest articles and, and so things that are happening in the industry. So it's something that we mm-hmm. read every month as a, as a recruitment business. And we've been really impressed by um, its ability to deliver, I guess, quite cutting edge news. And you mentioned then you're know, looking at the future of the industry all the time, which is great. But mm-hmm. know, we love the features, some of the analysis you've done on trends and some of the guidance on regulatory and legislative changes which come out, which obviously mm-hmm. are often quite complex. But how do you, as a reporter, yep. make sure that you're always able to stay ahead of the curve in relation to such reporting?
0: So I am very organized. I mean, it may be one of my strong points and also my down points, because <laughs> wherever I go, whenever I'm hearing something, I'm making notes, like wherever, literally even if I overhear something in the supermarket, you know, you meet people on trains <laughs> and they're in different industries, but there's always something which feeds back. So I'm always making notes and I reflect on those every day, see how I can use them in different angles, and we want quite uh we weren't quite a tight ship, sorry. Um so it's important we do lots of planning and research. So we forecast whatever we can. We have forward features lists and um, every morning I check all the government websites like DWP and VICE and try and look which for things which other news outlets haven't reported and sort of from my time in financial services I used to analyse a lot of data for news stories. So I'm yep. quite used to going yep. through bank reports to find unpublished statistics so I do that now with the data put out by the government so I just sort of look at it from that angle as well.
2: Great so it's a a very proactive process then are you also reliant on sort of contributors coming to you with potential articles or do you tend to do the outreach yourself to to articles you think are relevant?
0: So it's a little bit of both obviously because we have quite a few contributors which write for us who are in-house so they're sort of They're on the ground. They know what they're doing and what's going wrong and what they're having issues with. So they come to me with ideas and I also have my own ideas. So it's sort of a, I throw an idea at them. They say, okay, well, yeah, I faced that problem, you know, and this is how we're working to fix it. And maybe they write something on that. So it's a, it's a combined approach.
2: And is it something that you would welcomely um, sort of invite in terms of new contributors? If, if, they, if someone if was a power manager listening to this and I, I feel like I've got a great story or I feel like I've spotted something in the industry, what would be my approach? How would I get involved with the magazine to say, hey, you know, do you think this is relevant? Do you think this is something you could cover?
0: Absolutely. I want anyone to get in touch with any stories they have. Like I'm always on the lookout for new news and new people to get on board. So I'm just. Give out my email address, um, which I'm sure we can tag on to the details of this podcast and anyone can Absolutely. just get in touch and I can give them a call.
2: Excellent. Fantastic. Now, something we've all seen in the industry for those that have been in it for, for a number <clears throat> of years, the remit of the payroll professional has definitely widened. I mean, obviously you've, you've spotted that in in the, uh, the magazine sort of name change anyway, but. In terms of what they're, they're looking to do and sort of making sure that people are continually paid the right amount at the right time. Obviously, that still remains the, sort of the critical objective number one for the payroll manager. How have you seen the remit of the payroll professional change, though, from, from your perspective?
0: So from my perspective, and it'll be coming into a year now where I've been focusing on this profession, I feel like the evolution of the job role has already began to change. So I'm seeing it now where it's already started to become more strategic and they're thinking more holistically about what else affects pay. So rather than yeah. doing just the technical getting people paid, they're becoming to introduce more of those reward elements around it. Like how can pay affect people and what do they need to know? They need a financial education, they need to learn about their well being, how mental health can affect their finances. They're really trying to push and work with HR to create more knowledge about how you can use your money.
2: Right. Yeah. And I think obviously we, I touched on it earlier as well. There's obviously a lot of innovation coming into the industry now as well with the well, across all industries, because obviously technology is advancing so fast. But something that we're hearing a lot about, certainly, and talking a lot about on the podcast is, um, you know, developments in artificial intelligence, uh, developments in robotic process automation. How do you think these kind of innovations are going to <coughs> allow payroll reward professionals? to improve what they're delivering at the moment? And do you think it will give them more time to spend on strategic decision-making-based tasks, particularly in relation to compliance, employee engagement, well-being, that kind Mm -hmm. of
0: thing? So in the interviews we do in the magazine, each issue, this is one of the questions I always ask them about how technology is helping them and whether it will be able to maybe take over this process in years to come of payrolling. And they always say payroll will always need a human touch for the final push for the final pay. Um, so I think that is an important element, but around that, the data processing, compliance, innovation in technology can really help that with AI, especially to be able to give them more time, not to just be data processing, but to also be doing these other strategic elements we've spoken about.
2: Well, obviously, you've got a, you have got a—you must have a huge subscriber list, and obviously a payroll professional is giving that feedback to say it's always going to have a human touch, and, and it's a, 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 yeah. an opinion that I definitely agree with from a recruitment perspective. Mm-hmm. What are the, I guess, non-payroll related subscribers to publication thinking about it? You know, are there HR leaders that think that that also sort of recognize the importance of the payroll professional? Or do they come come at it with a slightly different perspective, you know, with the hope that maybe payroll can be fully outsourced or fully automated? Or is everyone within shared service or reward kind of on the same wavelength?
0: So I think there's obviously a few people who think, well, it's payment, it's data, it's processing. Surely that can be done. Completely via technology. But for the most part, I think people are beginning to understand the importance of a payroller and actually what their job includes is much more than just inputting that data and pressing send. So I think overall, a lot more of the HR and reward professionals understand that no, you can't do everything via technology, especially because this group of professionals also understand that you can't trust technology 24 7 completely all the time anyway. Things do go wrong, and we see that in the news every day. I think it's important that they understand there is still a human touch to be included with the payroll profession.
2: Sure, sure. And actually, I read I've a lot of your articles over the years, but I know that something you've um, you pointed towards in, in your writing in, in the past is that you believe that a lot of strength can be built in reporting lines between payroll HR and war teams that would really improve the end-to-end pay management cycle. Can you tell me a little bit more about why you think that is?
0: Well, like I said before, I may sound pessimistic, but it just shows how important payroll is. That money does indeed make the world go round. You need to be paid. And payroll can't process pay without first having the data from HR. And then employees who are paid, they need to understand how to use their money properly, how it's contributed towards a pension, how they need to get out of debt and um, with their mental health, because obviously that affects finances, or even how they can use the monetary benefits that employer provides. And that's where the reward elements come in. So I think overarching, it needs to be strategic. And I think that would be the reward title and aspect of the role. But HR and payroll and reward, they need to work together side by side because it's the whole employee pay cycle and they need to be supported throughout that whole cycle and be educated because less monetary worries means more productivity and work. Therefore, it's a more positive workforce in respect of both the employee and employer.
2: You know, with those lines then becoming more blurred or more, um, I guess collaborative, I did an article recently on LinkedIn that talked about whether payroll should be based under finance, whether it should be based under HR or whether it's a third option, it should now, it's got to a point where it should stand on its own as its own function and not really under any of those banners. How do you see the future of it? Do you think it, it's now, as it becomes more strategic, starting to warrant its own place as it's, you know, rather than reporting into one of the others at the same level? Or do you think in the future is still likely to fall under one of those two departments?
0: I think, well, from the people I meet in this profession, they are always either under HR or under finance. But I think with the way the reward role is going, and it encompasses all these elements of pay and HR, I think it should sit under a reward role and I, or a reward sort of headline. And I don't think yeah. that is too far away from us now, because I think the way it's going that HR and payroll will sit under reward and then reward will directly report into finance because how, I mean, it's on trend now, employee wellbeing, work-life balance, and it's important. It shouldn't just be on trend, but more people are focusing on that at the moment. So I think in years to come, the board directors will understand that they need to care for their employees in their wellbeing and in a monetary way. So I think that reward role encompassing HR and payroll will be much more important and it will sit together.
2: Sure. Actually, we've seen the same change and and influences within the payroll market as well. I mean, a couple of years ago, it was all about brands trying to work on attraction strategies. And I think over the last 24 months, it's now almost gone full cycle and and changed to become uh, much more about retention now than attraction. And everyone's looking at those well-being programs that you mentioned because Uh they've realized there's more value in retaining your employees than actually... You know, losing yeah. them and, and spending it all on attraction and we've seen a huge shift from a recruitment perspective in that regard and I think it's um it kind of ties in with what you just mentioned which is great. But look we've got a lot of questions still to yeah. get through we're going to find out a little bit more about your um your views on some outdated recruitment processes we've obviously just celebrated International Women's Day so we're going to tackle that in the second part of the podcast uh-huh. as well. But before we do, we're going to find out a little bit more about you.
0: So, Just a quick break to say, if you
2: haven't heard the latest song yet, My Payroll Career, it's all about payroll. Here's a quick snippet available now on iTunes or Amazon Play. Enjoy. You see, I love payroll and payroll loves me. I don't mind liaising with HMRC. I love manual payments and calculating s and Yeah, payroll is the career for me. That was My Payroll Career, available now in iTunes and Amazon Play. Right, back to the podcast.
1: Time to find out more about you. How would your friends or your
2: work colleagues describe you, Amber?
0: So I did ask some of my colleagues this question yesterday, and they did give me many, many words, but I've just chosen a few. They okay. said fun, hungry, because I'm always dieting, and um, so I'm okay. a, bit of a yo-yo dieter, but I love my food. So they said cheese obsessed, loud, epicurean, and generous with my hand cream. <laughs> yeah,
2: there you yeah. go, fantastic. Well, definitely Change, a new eclectic yeah. mix, yeah, <laughs> for sure. So tell me something then yeah. about you that perhaps other people won't know about you.
0: I struggled with this one because I was. I said to my uh, my colleague Jess, I was like, I tell everyone everything about me. But um, one thing which the listeners may not know is that I was actually born in Belgium and lived there for a few years when I was younger. So a lot of my first baby books and things like that are actually in Flemish. Oh, wow.
2: Do you speak Flemish now? Do you, yeah. do you maintain the language? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah.
0: No, that's the disappointing bit. No, I don't. OK.
2: You, <laughs> can't read your, you actually can't read the books <laughs> that you could read when you were a baby anymore.
0: No, but thankfully baby books have pictures, so I can tell what's a dog and different things okay, like that. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <Fair enough. laughs> so, okay, slightly different here. So You're abducted <laughs> by aliens who want to learn more about our species. What item would you take with you?
0: So I would say an iPhone, but with a single app. So it's just one item. And I would say Tinder. Although when this got really popular, I was in, I've been in a relationship since. so I've never really used it. I just gone to my friends if I know they've got it and you know mess around on it to annoy them but i just think it would be a really interesting way to show aliens how humans try to find a partner in this modern society by swiping on people's selfies and reading their ridiculous bios i think that would be a uh, quite funny and interesting
2: yeah i love that love that uh, that's cool best answer I love that <laughs> so what game or instrument would you
0: think <laughs> right so my go-to game at the moment which is the only card game i can actually really play other than snap is um for the sake of being pg i'm sure pe- most people understand is Pooh head
2: Pooh head i've never heard of Pooh head
0: well you replace poo with a swear word and then you might get Oh, it.
2: okay okay yeah no, i'm with it okay fine that's a new one Well, keep, we'll keep them entertained for sure <laughs> <laughs> so what,
0: yeah. would you, what
2: would you tell them about humans
0: um we're our own worst enemies
2: oh cool, yeah fully agree i think it's uh, we've had that quite a common theme as well i think um yeah we've really got,
0: we've yeah got it. it came to, i mean i was thinking about it and it came to me straight away i was like yeah we are <laughs> i think all
2: people are just quite deep as well i like it they always go quite deep on that one which is good <laughs> but so, let's jump back into uh, to the questions we're going to go go to a quick advert break <laughs> and then we're going to talk about the fact we've just celebrated international women's day so back in two moments
1: Einstein famously said that Insanity was doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. We believe it's time to try a new approach to recruitment. JGA Recruitment specialise in recruiting the top 15% of payroll and HR talent using innovative 24-7 attraction strategies that are proven to improve quality of hire, candidate retention and return on investment. De-risk your recruitment process today and hire better talent faster with JGA Recruitment. Visit jgarecruitment.com to find out. Find out more. Five technical questions.
2: Great. Mm -hmm. We've just celebrated International Women's Day and I read your introductions to in the latest Rewards Strategy magazine where you were surprised, Amber, to learn that following a recent study, women are generally happier than men in the workplace, despite the fact that they're often paid less. So what do you think is behind this gender pay gap disparity?
0: historically women have been the homemakers and men the breadwinners so obviously these traditions are now shifting mindsets progression economics means that both men and women they need to be making an income but it remains the fact that men have been in the professional in the professional environment and in careers longer and they generally know how to ask for more money and have more confidence in that but i'm still shocked to find that more women in the workplace aren't more upset about being paid less for the same work their male counterparts do
2: Sure. I absolutely agree. And uh, you you mentioned as well in in your um, article that uh, you think that there was some outdated recruitment process, which are reducing the likelihood of women getting jobs. Are you able to expand on that a little bit more?
0: Yeah. So that was, I do think it's a case by case issue with recruitment processes, just to state that first, but it came to my attention when I was reviewing some research and there was some data which showed that I think it was 80% of women going into job interviews are too scared to ask about maternity or paternal leave and pay during the job interviews because they're in fear that it will actually put employers off. And I've even spoken to some employers who have actually admitted that they would less likely choose a young woman who may be having a child in the near future, or they may think may have a child in the near future, and they would go for a man or an older woman just because they're less likely to take mat leave. And that just really shocked me because employers really need to recognize the value of a, di- a diverse workforce and what women, even at the childbearing age, can bring to the table and the positive impacts on the company culture and profits and so on.
2: Yeah, no, Philippe, I, I, it surprises me that that's still such a concern, that, that the mat leave is still, you know, it's
0: yeah.
2: the reason behind making some of those decisions. I mean. I have to say, working in recruitment, mm-hmm. we obviously deal with a lot of outdated recruitment processes from clients in the way that they want to manage things. But we haven't necessarily, in the payroll industry anyway, seen there to be too much disparity in the processes that we're working on. Um, mm-hmm. If, if I, actually if there are a couple of clients that um, will positively discriminate in the sense that they, you know, it's, we have to submit pro, uh, a resumes that that meet a full diverse selection of applicants um, in, in the way that they do things. And that, yeah. that's quite forward thinking for a lot of the, the larger businesses in the way that they do things. Um, I just wondered where what would be your advice then in terms of improving the process? How can we try and get out of that old school way of thinking and, and sort of educate the market to say, look, you, know, you mentioned there that having a diverse workforce can, can bring great benefits. And actually I did an article exactly about this mm-hmm. subject on LinkedIn only a couple of weeks ago from your perspective, what do you think we you know, what message can we send out to try and change people's ways of thinking?
0: So I think it's more of an educational piece, really, to these women so that their understanding and maybe for some employers to publish some articles and the recruiters themselves to be like, you don't need to worry about this. You can be honest and ask these sort of questions because we're not going to discriminate about this because it shouldn't be legally anyway. So I think once women feel more comfortable and understand, they're not going to be, you know, marked down the list in case they ask about this. I think that I think it's the awareness. I think women need the awareness not to feel bad about asking these questions. I think more than anything, it's for me as a woman and other women to realize that this isn't going to affect you. And if an employer is telling you that and a recruiter is telling you that, or even if they add that question in to their own recruitment process and say okay well we offer this maternity leave and this maternity pay you know to highlight it.
2: But interestingly I got an email that said to me if I could help this individual yeah. with a survey who said that over the last year this individual has seen that he has been the only male at all the payroll conferences seminars and webinars and for the position that he has just been recruited for he was the, apparently the only male that applied for it. And he asked if I could provide some additional figures on how many males we get applying for payroll jobs. For us we don't we see a relatively even split in applications across all levels, um, including management and director level mm-hmm. positions, actually, which I think is quite interesting. From your side, are you, do you think that the payroll industry is a little bit closer in terms of the gender pay gap or differences, which obviously is a, is a positive thing for bringing that, that down to, to being equal? Or
0: I would say that traditionally the payroll sector and professional has been more female-heavy with the jobs and things, so I'm not sure that the gender pay disparity is because of the actual pay i think it's because of the less men in those sure. roles because it's still very very much a female focused role and i think we have to be hard we have to, it's difficult with the gender pay gap because you can't just do a company's overall gender pay gap because there's different women different men in different roles not the same level so you need to do it by job role by job grade and that way and i don't think there is a from what i've seen a difference in pay per employee, male or female, for the payroll or role at a certain level. But I have seen that it is predominantly more women in these yeah, roles. Sure,
2: sure. And I, I did a, uh, I say I did an article on diversity recently, um, which is actually more about how employee diversity was hindering marketing success. Uh, but some of the statistics um, within the research that I did there showed some huge disparities, certainly at the director level uh, within marketing between uh, between women and men, and it's certainly something that.
1: Mm-hmm. There's no excuse oh, yeah.
2: for it With you know, within that profession. It's, it shouldn't be male-dominated or female-dominated in marketing. And mm-hmm. um, there's certainly a lot of work that needs to be done. So it's uh, it's interesting to get your perspective, I'm sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Going yeah. back to, to pay and reward, how much do you think that, you know, as we do get closer to, as you mentioned, well-being programs and retention-based strategies, how much do you think pay and reward influences employee productivity?
0: So I think pay and reward is extremely important in driving motivation and productivity you do need to be in a job role for the right reasons and work hard regardless of whether you love the role or not. But you also want to feel valued in your career and feel that your employer appreciates your work. And that is what is reflected in pay and reward. So I do believe it's a very important part. Have you
2: seen any sort of um, exciting or really innovative reward strategies to help with their uh, retention and well-being that, you know, perhaps other businesses you know may not have heard about before that are just really intuitive or or. Know, really off the cuffs in terms of, of thinking
0: mm-hmm. so i recently spoke to tracy newton who is the director of people performance yeah. at ybs uh yorkshire building society um just a couple of days ago and she's our next uh interviewee for the reward interview in the magazine so right. that'll come out in a couple of months and it was just really great to see they are doing all that they can to Promote all employees across all professions that they have in the banking part, in the payroll, in the HR, across everyone. They're just offering the same level of commitment to show that they, they, um, appreciate them and they do career, um, what are they called career celebrations yep. and things like that. And there was loads of other different things, um, which I'll be writing about in that magazine just to show how much they value their employees. So that was a really good element in their, um, their bonus scheme as well is the same across the board for everyone so it makes it really fair so there isn't that issue with yeah, fat, sure, fat pay paying sure. things so i found when that, does that really come out? is that the next
2: edition or future
0: so no the next edition we will have um sue Childerstone, who is the head of payroll at the NHS. so she'll be in there but it'll be the following issue which will be great. released Fantastic. in we'll may
2: forward to that, which is great and obviously i'll put some links in the episode notes for those who aren't familiar with it so they can access the uh, the latest publications as well taking it back into to recruitment okay. which is obviously something that i know very well i've got a 16 years experience recruiting payroll professionals and, and one of the key changes uh-huh. that i've seen and certainly our businesses see, is that more and more businesses instead of recruiting for payroll managers they're instead recruiting for as you mentioned earlier in the podcast for pay and reward managers or payroll and hr managers and we're seeing more and more hybrid roles becoming prevalent in the industry than, than we ever have done before why do you think these historically, those separate disciplines, have become more blurred over recent years? Why do you think that's more of a recent change?
0: So I think this is happening across all roles and professions. I think you need to have more of a diverse, um, diverse set of skills in the 21st century because smaller companies can't afford to have two individual roles and two individual people to look at maybe payroll and HR. So you need this hybrid role. Um, and it makes sense, really, because the two disciplines are so closely connected. I don't feel that one can work without the other. So having one individual that can look at both sectors and look at the issues and know how to resolve them I think is really important especially now when we have employees who are also looking for a reward role where they want someone who can do HR and payroll under that so I think it's very important to have these sure. hybrid I mean, roles. Something
2: that we're seeing as we do payroll equipment and HR equipment, we see a lot of payroll people Really keen to develop their skills in reward and HR management, which is great, so they can diversify their abilities to get these hybrid positions. Mm-hmm. But we're not seeing an awful lot of payroll. Or sorry, not seeing a lot of HR professionals necessarily wanting to develop their skills in payroll and reward. Why do you think that is?
0: I think HR has traditionally had a more strategic place in the workforce anyway, so they're always focusing on that, and that is where the reward role is going. It is more strategic. Whereas the payroll function has always been technical. So they really want to do something they haven't done before to be able to fit into that reward role. And I think that's why payroll are more interested in looking at HR than HR is looking at payroll. But I think for it to work going forward and people are going to want these hybrid roles, and more often than not, it is going to be HR and payroll together that HR um, professionals do need to start looking at the technical yeah, aspects sure. of no, payroll
2: completely team. agree, completely agree. So we're going to find out a bit more about Rewards Strategies and Publication in just a moment. I've got one quick question, which is from a reporting perspective, and this is more curiosity for me than anything else, what's the thing within the payroll industry or the reward industry then, that you <laughs> like reporting on the most? Obviously, we've got compliance, we've got legislation, we've got technology, we've got innovation – if you had a choice about the kind of story that you wanted to break or you wanted to go and report on, and you could pick the perfect story, what would that look like?
0: Oh, wow, that's an interesting question. Because, I mean, I do find so much of it so interesting because it is personable, and it's things that affect your everyday life, how you get paid, your pension, the gender pay gap, things like that. I think I like big stories, which are shocking. So when there's data involved and there is a big gap and or someone done something not wrong but you can see like so if if it would be the gender pay gap and see someone's made i mean google recently which is a positive thing so i think some of the in the u.s their data guys i think there was more women and the men weren't getting paid as much so they backdated the pay and gave the men enough to match it but i think big stories like that where someone's doing good and sort of you know joining things up and there's big money involved or big data you know, I think that's something I really like to focus on where someone's what's made a big change. What's the biggest
2: change? story, if you were able to pick it, that you feel that you've broken to the market? Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be payroll. I'm just intrigued to know. If you there was a, there's a big scoop that you've picked up in your reporting career, what, what would it be that you've actually delivered that you're proud of?
0: So I think it would have been in credit and financial services, because we'd look at the reports of the banks where they published them every quarter. And there was a couple of banks and there was some, figures which hadn't been published about how much they'd spent on uh, addressing PPI and obviously everyone knows how sure, big sure. PPI has been in the past but these figures had never been reported anywhere else before and I reported them of a few of the banks how much they'd spent which was about like a 70% wow. increase than ever before. And um, I reported that before anyone else. So I was very Um, happy with that. And I don't think anyone actually reported on it afterwards. I'm a big
2: fan of the the old series. It's not that old, but the newsroom where you see these stories on, uh, I think it was uh, Sky Atlantic. And uh, it's just exciting because we never get to see your side of the business. So the idea of the adrenaline rush of breaking a big story must be amazing. So uh, that's a fantastic example. Well, we talked a lot about Um, Reward Strategy is a publication so far, but of course the business offers a lot more than this. It organises educational and networking events throughout the year, and it's also behind the coveted Reward 300. Um, It's the Reward Strategies Index of the 300 leading professionals and influencers within the sector. It's an event I'm very proud to say that James Gray Associates are sponsoring this year as well. I think we're sponsoring the 25 HR leader section at the Ward 300 Gala Dinner in June. Uh, so we're really looking mm-hmm. forward to that. But I wondered if you could tell us a bit more about War strategy as a business and perhaps talk about some of the other things that you do offer the payroll and reward markets that perhaps listeners aren't familiar with.
0: So we're actually a team of 30 across the whole of the business, but this covers the two magazines and we do about wow. 30 events throughout the year. I mean, more of that goes to the credit side, but we do the main four events with reward and we're doing smaller events around that now like round tables and we're going to start doing some more webinars so i'm very proud of all that we're able to achieve because i mean it is 30 of us and we all work very collaboratively and our company culture is great i mean we're more of a family than a bunch of friendly colleagues so that's a really important part Thank to working know. at this business and um, but yeah we're working on a lot more Yeah, a lot more interactive stuff now. Hopefully, I can do some more podcasts as well. Maybe you can teach me how to get them working. Uh, We've also got a new video suite. We've got a video suite in the office now, and I'm starting to do some quick fire videos, getting people in our green room. Um, So, yeah, so lots on. Our next event is the Payroll and Reward Conference, which is sponsored by Western Union, and that's coming up in June. In London, so I'd love to see some more people there. If anyone would like to come along or attend our Reward 300 Gala dinner, I'd love for anyone to get in touch yeah, with me so we, and we put can make links, that happen.
2: Uh, to your website and to the awards in the episode notes. Uh, back to the conference quickly, it's a two-day conference, isn't it? Not a one day, is that right?
0: It's a two-day conference, yeah. It's June 5th and June 6th, and the Reward 300 Gala dinner will held on June What are some of the highlights of the
2: Reward Conference that people could look forward to if they were to sign up?
0: So we're focusing on the future of payroll and how to remain compliant and how to use technology and how the reward role is progressing and how more people are being involved. So we're looking at different um, different sessions, but from the different aspects as well. So we've got obviously Brexit, because by yeah, the time we come sure. around, hopefully we'll know what's happening. Um, we've got the gender pay gap. We've got reward strategies and what people are doing, some of the bigger companies and how that can be taught. Uh, we've got a, a reward panel, so we've got quite a few people left, some big companies, heads of rewards, and they'll be discussing what they're going to be doing going forward with their reward trends and their well-being. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot to get our teeth stuck that's into, that's so that's it'll it be sounds really good. to me, if you're a payroll
2: manager listening to the payroll podcast right now and you're looking about you know, how to take the next step in your progression or you're interested in the future of the industry or even how you can develop some of your existing payroll skills to become... Uh, more hybrid in terms of reward strategy and in where where your career can move forward sounds like the kind of conference that you, you need to be at so I'll definitely put all of the details in the episode notes so you can check that out and there'll be a link in there to the reward 300 gala dinner as well have a look at the category sponsors obviously there's a really good business on there called James Gray Associates I'm hugely biased but I suggest you click on that link find out more about us if you're interested in any of the recruitment services I think one of the other category sponsors is Cintra HR and Payroll Services as well. So definitely check out the sponsors, check out the uh, conference, check out the reward guard. Get yourself signed up. Sounds like they are all great events to, to be present at. So, and we're going to open the vault.
1: Entering the vault.
2: Amber, what is one piece of advice you would give to someone working in payroll right now?
0: I would say make sure your colleagues know your value and the importance of the work you do. Don't be afraid to shout out about your achievements. Yeah, fantastic. Because everyone Love that. Something
2: is. that we are really passionate about promoting on the Power Podcast as well. You know, raise your arm, <laughs> come above the power pit and definitely say, you know, this is this is who I am. I work in payroll and uh, I'm really proud of it. And this is, uh, this is what we do. So definitely raise your voice. Fantastic advice. With the benefit of hindsight, what would be the one career decision you would change?
0: Uh, So being in the position of editor, I do a lot of presentations to big audiences. I think the biggest one I've done so far is maybe 400, 500. So I do a lot of public speaking now. And with hindsight, I think I would have probably had more training early on, but I sort of just threw myself into it and either Actually really enjoyed it, although being very scared to begin with. So I think, yeah, no, I, mean, I would. Have it can, can be, be quite intimidating.
2: I was, I, I did a, a theatre degree in Masters, and I think one of the pieces of advice that I was given, if it's useful for anyone going into public speaking, is when you are talking to a big group of people, rather than focus on people's eyes, focus on their foreheads. It's a real subtle change, but if you can't see the eyes staring back at you, but no one else will notice. Oh, okay. It can be a really useful tool for just their calming the nerves a little bit. It's often the eyes that make you nervous there you go focus on the forehead not the eye
0: i was gonna say i'm quite strategic i try and get people i know from my team and like put them in different tables and different sections so i can look and at I them as i look around the room but going well. yeah when yeah, they're yeah, not there well, the forehead will do <laughs> well yeah they just <laughs> if you have my the power of yeah.
2: foresight you <laughs> could change the entire payroll or reward industry with one action or improvement what would that action or improvement be
0: hmrc an improved and more organized body as well as having legislation which doesn't change so often and i think it's a a common common answer
2: we've had as well i'm going to slightly go off point then with another question we've had this come up before i think kate upcraft raised it first (laughs) do you think the payroll industry should have some ministerial governance
0: i think it's again where people haven't really noticed the importance or understood the importance of the payroll function although there's constant changes to legislation and it is so important because you know the national minimum wage the national living wage like people need to get paid, but I still don't think anyone's really stepped back and noticed, well, we need more of their opinion and more of their voice in this because oh. they're the people that are doing it. I think, to be honest, the <laughs> government is so rushed at the moment, especially around Brexit, that no one's really got time to focus on anything else. But I think going forward, I'd hope that they would step back and realize they need this help because these are the people that are doing it and they they want to help them because they want to have you know, more education about what they can do and when the change is yeah, coming, you know, it
2: yeah, I was to say that they're somewhat busy at the moment, but uh, hopefully that might be a change and an improvement we see in the future. So who motivates yeah. you and why?
0: So I, everyone probably says this, but family, and it really is because I was lucky enough to be brought up in a home with my mum, nan, granddad and uncle, who each have their own special traits and values, which really drive me right. to be the best version of myself. Um, I've also got a very loving boyfriend who really pushes me to achieve all that I can. And finally, to conclude my Oscar-style <laughs> uh, speech, I'd say my little sister because she's ten years younger than me and she's so brilliant oh, and creative. Fantastic. I just want love to be that. Proud love of the big that. Sister. Brilliant.
2: Now, family is a huge motivator for me as well. So, no, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Last question: If you didn't work in payroll yeah. and reward, what would you be doing?
0: So I would definitely be stuck between two things. I would be doing anything to do with food because I'm obsessed with it. Or I'm really interested in corporate social responsibility. So that interests me okay, quite a lot. So I'd cool. love to do something I'll with find, that, find maybe. Two
2: different types of careers. I think the idea of uh, being a food reporting and the ability to go to all these top restaurants and report on the dishes you get would be the, uh, the, an appeal for me, for sure. A dream. So just about wraps us up yeah. today. It's been a, a, a whistle-stop tour across uh, Reward Strategies and Publications. So for those that aren't familiar with it, I definitely recommend that you familiarize yourself with the with the website, which is reward-strategy.com. It's a wealth of information on there. You can actually download the latest publications, you can read the magazines, you can follow the articles get involved in the webinars, the networking events and and of course sign yourselves up for the the conferences and the uh, and the gala dinners as well. So definitely take a look at that. It's www.reward-strategy.com. I'll also put a link to Amber's LinkedIn profile so if you do want to reach out to Amber directly on LinkedIn, you can and with amber's permission yep. i will add her email address and contact details as well so if you are mm-hmm. a payroll manager with a budding story yes, and you're desperate to get it to get it told and uh, you can reach out to amber directly and maybe we'll see your article in a future edition of the reward strategy publication which would be fantastic apart <laughs> from that it just leads me to say thank you for joining me today amber uh, it's been a fantastic episode but a great chat I thoroughly enjoyed it and um, i look forward to speaking to everyone again in a couple of weeks
1: You've been listening to the Payroll Podcast with Nick Day of JGA Recruitment, Specialist Payroll Recruiters. If you would like to feature on a future podcast, please contact us. For a wealth of world-class payroll content, please visit us at jgarecruitment.com. See you next week.